to deal with an issue that's um, maybe pretty prevalent on some of your hearts and minds. And, you know, our, our, our government's about to change hands, and I know that worries some, it excites others, it's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, there's a particular issue that, that really strikes a chord uh, with Christians. And I, want, I just want to talk about that today. And I want to talk about the gospel of life. I want to talk about what the Bible says about life. I want to talk about what the scriptural idea of life is. Belinda sh- shared a testimony for um, the offering earlier in the first service about their son, Luke, and all the issues he had being born. And I can't even begin to describe, I can't even say the words he said he was diagnosed with as a newborn. And basically his sinus cavities and stuff were where he couldn't breathe through his nose. They had to go in and open open that up and and several procedures and he'd stop breathing and issues with his palate and the whole nine yards as a as a as a as a early born. I mean he was he was, he came early, he had these issues and just the first year of life how difficult that was. And you know what? That life of Luke Wolf's is just as precious as any other. And he's he's about to graduate from high school, 17 years old, growing, dry, learning to drive, all those sorts of things. And, and there could have been a time where nobody would give him hope. And we're going to talk about life and the value. To, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. I don't know if you guys know that. Across the nation today, churches are discussing life. This is Sanctity of Human Life Month, actually. And I know there's, um, we got all kinds of, we've heard all sorts of things and uh, about, you know, where does life begin? Where does, we're going to talk about that today. The Bible has much to say about human life and its value. It's very important in the scheme of things to our Father. And we're going to talk about what he thinks, what he's told us about those things. We'll try to answer some questions and uh, uh Find our way through it. In your bulletin, it's kind of interesting. There's a couple of inserts in there. Just really pay attention to those. Elizabeth's Hope, Pregnancy Centers. There's an insert in there. Um, opportunities for you to have an impact and create a, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? An environment of life in our nation. Are you with me? There's a, there's a thing in there about signing a petition. There's a, uh, a, a, an act that's about to be signed called the Freedom of Choice Act, which will basically revert us backwards from all the abortion legislation that's come forward in the last few years. And it's important for you to be active in that. So pay attention to those things. Um, we're going to talk, if you would, turn with me to Psalm 139. We're going to start there. And it's going to, we're going to springboard from that and talk about what God's perspective of life is, where it begins, the value of it, and all those sorts of things. And hopefully enable you to make some wise decisions as you would call elected officials and send emails and different things like that. Let's read in Psalm 139. Let's start at verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 6, and then we'll jump down to 13 through 18, okay? So if you're there with me, let's look. 
O Lord, you have searched me and known me. David writes, you know my sitting down, you know my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path, the course my life will take, and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. There is, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. David says, Lord, you, have, you fry my circuits. I'm trying to get my mind around how good you are. I'm trying to get my mind around your thoughts towards me. I'm trying to understand how you can know things. You can know what I'm going to say before the words form in my mouth. You know what's going to come out. You know my thoughts from a distance. Before I even think a thought, you know what's going to be in my mind before it gets there. Man, God, you know me thoroughly. How awesome. is He's like, man, I just can't begin to understand that. It's awesome that, God, you have thought of me so much that you have all this in hand well before it ever, any of it ever comes to fruition. You know my path, he says. You know the course my life is going to take. And he says, my lying down, you know when I'm sitting, when I'm, you know everything about me. Your knowledge towards me is unbelievable. I can't hardly get a grip on it. And that's, that sounds like everything going on here, sitting down, lying down, raising up, talking, thinking, right? As we as in this world human beings, right? Well, David says, dude, it goes way back before that. Look at verse 13. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Ooh, David says, not only do you know everything that's going on with me right now, you had all these things lined out before I ever came into the earth. As I was being formed in my, in my mother's womb, you took me and you put me together just the way you wanted me. You knew me. I was, listen, a living soul. Do you get that? Do you get the implication of what David's saying there? You were a living soul. Set that sink in for a second. That's God's perspective. That's written in his unfallible, unchanging, unerring word. He knew all of us before we were formed. We as we were forming, he was already mapping out a plan and he was already thinking thoughts towards us of peace and of hope like Jeremiah 29 talks about. He was already, before we breathed our first breath in this environment, in this climate, he already was at work in our lives. Do you get that? Because some people don't get that. 
he understands you better than anybody. In the, in the, in the message, it says this about one, Psalm 139.16. It reads this way. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. You get that? From conception to birth, all the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. The New Living Translation reads, reads like this, this same passage. Verse 13, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's God's idea. But here's the situation today. I don't know what's going on today. More than one million abortions are performed in the U.S. every year. According to Psalm 139, one million lives are lost every year. People. God saw them. He was watching them form. He was writing their days of their lives in his book, like the scripture says, and one million of them never get a chance to breathe their first breath. You think that breaks the heart of God? Based on current abortion rates, about one in three women will have an abortion by age 45. One in three. 44% of women who had abortions in the U.S. had at least one previous abortion. 82% of women who had abortions in the U.S. were unmarried. And 50% of U.S. women having abortions are younger than 25 years old. We've got a fight on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. I can give you where those figures come from if you want them later. I have notes on those. So how do we get here? Listen to this. Here's some things I found out was pretty funny about this whole situation. In the mid to late 1800s, all states passed laws making it illegal to perform or attempt to perform an abortion. In the 1800s, in 19, here's something else. These laws were supported by the medical community, listen to this, which noted abortion's moral implications and danger to women. During this same time period, notable activists in the women's suffrage movement, such as Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, spoke out against abortion in their efforts to protect women and children. Did you know that? I thought I'd throw that out there. In 1959, efforts to liberalize state abortion laws were mounting, and model legislation to legalize abortion in limited cases was proposed at the state level. The slide, the slope began to get slippery. In 1968, Colorado, California, North Carolina, Oregon reformed abortion laws to allow abortion in some cases. Between 1969 and 1970, a dozen other states followed suit. And on January 22nd, 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down every state abortion law through two rulings, Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton. Here's the one good thing I have on this list. A federal ban on specific type of late-term abortion, which is in jeopardy at this point, partial birth abortion, and I could go into whole detail about what that is. It's just what it says. They partially birth babies and then kill them. They're partially outside the womb, and then they kill them. 
was upheld in the U.S. Supreme Court in April 2007. So here's here's where we are. Does that freak you out a little bit? I hope so. Let me say this. God is the creator of all life. He takes life very seriously. Isaiah 44 says this. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. You hear that? He who formed your Creator, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads about abroad the earth by myself. He's the Creator of everything living from the womb. Do you hear me? In the womb. That's his word. That's not mine. You know what's amazing? I want you guys to think about this. I don't know what what your life is like. I don't know everything that's going on. But God saw every one of you. He knows every one of you. He he, he knows you before you're born like your parents know you. He has intimate knowledge of your makeup. He has intimate knowledge of your personality before anybody else does. He, I want to give you, any, all of you some hope today. God cares that much that he, he takes a lot of time and energy and he records, the Bible says, every one of your days before one of them come to be. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And if I can get something across to some of you who are like, why are you talking about abortion? We're kind of all on the same page. Maybe some of us aren't, number one. Number two, we've got to be called to action because if we don't stand and speak, if we don't stand and do, nobody else is going to. If we don't make phone calls, if we don't send emails, if we have a coworker or a niece, and they're trying to make some really tough decisions, one of us better stamp up to the plate and go, you know what? God can help you get through this. You don't have to make the decision to destroy a life. We can get through this. You know, God, God knew all of us God knew all of us before, check this out, the scriptures put this out, before we were born. In Galatians 1.15, Paul writes, but when, I went, but when he who had set me apart before I was born called me through his grace. Does that stagger your mind? I mean, is that... Before you were born, he had a plan, a purpose. He doesn't care. He, he's not a respecter of persons, the scriptures say. If he did that for the apostle Paul, he's done that for you. He's got a purpose for your being. He's got a purpose for you existing. He's got a purpose for you living. He knew you before you were born. And he called you through, your, through his grace. You're sitting right now in this church. You know why? Because God called you through his grace. He did. He he cares so much about you. He knew you before you were conceived. Look at this scripture. Before Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
before. So now to when do you think life starts? Before I formed you, I knew you. That word knew means to have intimate knowledge of. Okay? Before you were formed, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, he told Jeremiah. And again, Jeremiah's nothing special. He's a human bag of bones just like the rest of us. And so if God took that great care with Jeremiah, he took took that great care with Paul, he's taking that same great care with each of us. You know what? Let's go back even further. Check this out. God knew all of us before the world was made. So now where does life begin? Huh? Where, where now? Long ago, Ephesians 1, 4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Do you get that? Wow! I hope suddenly some of you are going, man, my life means something. God knew me before he even created the first tree, before he spoke the first star into existence, before he laid the foundation. He knew me, and he chose me. Some of you have been the person who's been left on the sidelines when everybody's picking teams for kickball all life, your whole life. Hoping to get on the team, right? Look at that scripture reference, would you? God didn't do that to you. He chose you. He wasn't waiting for the line to be completely uh, depleted. You knew what word I was looking for. Thank you, Amy. I was going going to say dilapidated. I knew there was something, and I couldn't think of it. Depleted before he chose you. Before he did anything else, he said, look, you are mine. I love you. I've chosen you. Do you get that? Oh, I hope that. Wow. We've got testimonies around this church of prematurely born babies who weren't supposed to make it, and they do. Born at 26 weeks. Shouldn't be here, medically speaking. Politically speaking, could have been aborted. Not only living, but completely whole and healthy. Are you hearing me? And God had a plan for them. Huh? And I was at Kosai uh, a week ago Thursday. There's this exhibit in there, and I forget what it's called. You may have been there. And they've got the the stages of fetal development, like little babies in like these glass, real, literal babies in these cubes. Little plaque. I, I, I just walked in front of that thing and I just started to bawl. I've gotten to be a daddy four times. I've got to watch birth happen and I stood in front of this wall a week ago and could begin to see body parts that are forming at every st- and I, I'm trying not to lose it right there in Kosai and I, I think oh my God you are awesome 
Then my, then my dander got up. That ever happened to you? Where did they get these babies? Huh? I, got, I almost got angry. You know what I mean? Where did they come from? I walked around the corner on the end of the thing and there was like a placard that said that, that families who lost children at different levels had donated them. So that made me feel a little bit better because I was really getting to the point suddenly it just hit me. How do they have these? You know what I mean? Oh, I thought, did some, I hope these aren't, didn't come from where I, oh no, I got angry. Trying not to cry, trying not to completely lose it. God knew every one of those children. Every one of them, before they were born, before they were conceived, before the earth was made, he knew them. That's his word, not mine. You know what? We got to do something about that. It's up to us. Make sure people know that. Here's some questions, probably some pretty common questions. Are humans permitted to take life before birth? Is it okay from a scriptural perspective? Is it okay in some circumstances? I've heard all the debates. I've heard all the ideas. Exodus 21, 22 says this. Now suppose two people are fighting. And in the process, they hurt a pregnant woman. So her child's born prematurely. If no further harm results, then the person responsible must pay damages in the amount the woman's husband demands and the judges approve. But if any harm results, then the offender must be punished according to the injury. If the result is death, the offender must be executed. Here's a, here's a famous line we always try to use for other things. If an eye is injured, injure the eye of the person who did it. If a tooth gets knocked out, Knock out the tooth of the person who did it. Similarly, the payment must be hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. In light of that one passage of Scripture, what do you think God's answer to that question is? No. If by perhaps something's going on, accidentally something happens, this is what you do. Take it to another level. What if intentionally that happens? Huh? What if it's on purpose? If an accident, it's no, and somebody gets to, somebody has to has to pay for their life with their for life with their life. What do you think when it's on purpose? Huh? Ooh, that just seems kind of strong, right? Okay, here's another one. Is it okay to abort in the case of rape or incest? This is one I've heard a Christian person try and persuade me with. I don't know where you stand on that, but if, according to the three passages of Scripture we read just prior to this slide, are true, that was a living soul, regardless of how it was conceived. Am I right? Huh? 
Did you have, is, that how, is, that how, is that how you read it? Listen to this. Deuteronomy 24, 16 says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children. Notice this. Nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. Huh? So, I think God's saying here, just because somebody else did something wrong doesn't mean you take an innocent life. Is that how, is that, does that sound like what that reads to you? I know this is kind of tough to kind of swallow to think about, but and I realize, I feel, listen to me, I'm not uncaring about people who find themselves in that predicament. I can't imagine. I think about the possibility of that happening to my wife, and I think, man, that would be ridiculous to have to try and emotionally kind of deal with. What if one of my daughters... I mean, I've, I've thought through the process. I've thought, man, I would first, somebody probably is going to come real close to dying. And except for the grace of God being poured out in my heart, I'm going to have a really, I'm going to have a difficult time with that. I'm just going to be real honest. You know what I mean? Can I be honest about that? But then I begin to think about that, that baby, you know? They didn't ask for that. They had no choice in that. Somebody's got to speak up for them. In fact, the Bible says that's pure religion is when you speak up for those who have no voice. Am I right? I had somebody. Woo. <laughs> the kids are going like, amen, yeah. Listen. I had somebody trying to tell me, you know, well, I had this friend, and like two weeks before she was supposed to be married, she got raped. She found out she was pregnant. What do you expect her and her, her husband to do? I said, have a baby. Well, how do you, emotionally, how do you deal with that? By the grace of God, I guess. That's the only answer I've got. Because it's still a life if that scripture I've been reading to you is true. Am I right? I don't know. These are fun. I know we try and think through all the problems. I'm just telling you, the reason our nation's gotten to the place it is because rights, foggy, wrong, it's kind of hazy. Where do they? Life's just life. You see what I mean? I don't know. I, I pray none of us have to deal with that, but you know what? It's there, God's word. What about, here's a good one. What about potential deformity or disability? We've, we've my wife and I, I can't say we've, my wife's been praying it four times. Be careful how I say that, you know? And they always want you to have that amniocentesis thing. Am I right? We turned them down. Why'd you do that? Because it didn't make any difference to us. just didn't well they may have some sort of de malfunction deformity some yeah so this baby's still getting born we're still going to be its parents why put my wife through that why put that baby through that that make any difference we're not doing that we just didn't well why well because listen to this th think think of this thing look at this passage scripture exodus 4 uh, 4 11 
So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? What's in this next line? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? And then the Lord answers the rhetorical question, have I, have not I, the Lord? That kind of covers that one, doesn't it? Just a rhetorical question. If I knew them before the foundation of the world, if I knew them before they were conceived, if I knew them before they were born, did I, did I know this was coming? Oh, yeah, I knew it was coming. I'm going to take care of you, take care of that child. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's live life. Listen, here's maybe a little simple question. How should a woman view the life growing in her, in her womb? Here's what the Scripture says about that. Behold, Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. I'm going to speak from experience for a minute, okay? My wife and I have not one, but two. To use the politically correct language, unplanned pregnancies. We thought we were done with two girls. Okay, we thought that was it. I can remember the December morning, Rachel told me she was pregnant with Caleb. It was a day about like this. Pastor Eric had called my house. What's the roads like out your way? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't been out yet. You think you could check for me? I said, yeah, I can do that. And so I get all duded up, go outside into the weather, go down, check, the, check my road, check the road out here because we kind of live out in the sticks and it's kind of, if it, I'm probably not a good person to ask because they don't clean any of our roads much anyway. So I, if it's, it could be bad here and be great every place else. In my, so I, I go out and do that, come back and walk in the house. And Rachel's like, hey, by the way, um, Pastor Eric canceled service this morning. I went, okay. And we're pregnant. Could you say that again? Pastor Eric canceled church. And we're pregnant. How do those two things go together? I don't. She took the test while I was out checking the roads. And I sat in the chair because I didn't have anything else to do because church was canceled at my house. I went, every five minutes I went, wow. Wow. Whoa. Completely unprepared, completely like, whoa. Almost in shock. I gotta tell you something. That little boy was with us this morning in service. Didn't want to go to class, want to be a mommy and daddy. I want to tell you, there is nothing like that in the whole world. They are a gift from the Lord, whether you plan them or not. They are a reward. Listen. I got two of them that are just the cream of the crop to me, man. When, when Rachel's dad walked in this morning with, with, with Eric, our, our, our youngest, he walked up, and as soon as he seen me, he went. And I went, oh. And I had some things to do, and I'm like, oh, I love you. Mm, you know, I gotta, I'll be back, and I got to go take care of some. You know, dude, there's, they are a reward. That's the perspective we should have, whether they're planned or not. Because if I read that scripture correctly, I just read, they are not accidental. 
You may not have planned for them. Are you hearing me? If God knew them before the foundation of the world, if he knew them before they were conceived, if he knew them before they were born, that's no accident. And you better not tell them that they are. Because God knew them. Huh? I like being a dad. I hope, is that okay with everybody? I love being a dad. Being a dad's the, probably the, it, no, it, probably, it is the coolest thing on the planet. I'm just saying. It's awesome. I wouldn't trade any of them for anything. They're, 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 they're a, and there are other options. I understand there are people who are just not in a, in a situation where like, wow, I made a really bad decision. And I, there are so many people who want kids. There's no, not, there's no reason not to have any. There just isn't. Does God, let me ask you this question. Does God forgive those who had abortions? Absolutely. Listen, I don't know what's going on in all of your lives. Maybe things happened in previous relationships and whatever. Maybe you, you may just, listen, God forgives that. The scriptures say in Isaiah, his arm is not shortened that he cannot save. Listen, we're going, he, he, he can reach out. In him, listen to what Ephesians says, in him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Listen, it makes no difference if that's happened, if you've made that decision. Maybe you as a parent encouraged one of your daughters to do that. Maybe you as a husband or a son uh, or a father of somebody who had an unplanned pregnancy Listen, God's forgiveness is vast. God's forgiveness is great. And you know what? He covers that. He's got that. Well, how do you know? Listen, there's a guy named Paul who wrote those words. He killed folks too. Huh? The guy who penned those words himself admitted he was a murderer he imprisoned people unlawfully. He did all sorts of things. He said, I am, the, I am the chiefest of sinners, Paul wrote. And he understood the riches of the grace of God, that his forgiveness covers all of them. I read a story online the other day about a girl who was going to a Christian school, dating a guy. He had hopes of being a youth pastor. They find out as they're about to graduate that she's pregnant. He's interviewing for a youth pastor's job. Made a really bad decision. Thought they can't let that get out. She did. She went to the clinic. And because she didn't understand that God would forgive her of that, she started down a path. This is a girl who understood Christianity. Grew up in the church, had designs. She she resorted to drinking and partying, lesbianism, because the guilt was just so intense and she didn't think God could forgive her because she had done that. Listen to me. 
She's on the other side of that now. And God has begun to restore her life. But check this out. If you've been there, done that, if you know somebody who's been there and done that, explain to them God's grace, it's rich. There's enough of it to go cover that. It's huge. It's big. It's awesome. Listen. He covers you. And it doesn't matter. You can put anything else in that, in that blank. Anything. Some of you may be sitting here today and think, well, I didn't do that. But, man, if you wouldn't do some other things I did, goodness gracious, it makes no difference. His grace is rich. Look at this other verse of Scripture. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions. Listen, it's for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Does that bring hope to any of you today? Maybe this week you've done something that's really messed with you. And you're ashamed and you're ate up and you thought, man, I shouldn't have done that. That, that passage flies for you too. Maybe your enemy has beat you up. One side of the street and down the other. He'd like to keep doing that. But God's grace will disallow him if you'll grab a hold of it. Listen. I mean, dude, where do we go from here? Well, first of all, we ask for forgiveness. Well, I never committed abortion. No, but we probably haven't been as active as we need to be to ensure that it doesn't happen again. I don't know if any of us can say we've done all that we could do to keep that from happening. Anybody? I can't say that. If you have ventured down that path, any path that's in direct violation of the laws of God, ask for forgiveness today. I just read to you, his grace is rich. It's powerful. It's strong. It, it covers you. Let me think of something else you guys can do. We all can do. Support organizations who are advocates of life. Well, we're only one. You know what? There are, there are ministries. There are people who stand up who have the ability to make sure voices are heard to the people who are in great need and to the people who make decisions about where laws and things are. Get involved in that process. Obviously, pray. I mean, I think that's is that a given for everybody? When these kind of things are concerned, we ought to be praying about these things. Am I right? Do I have to put that on the screen? Do I need to put that up there? Listen, something else. Maybe we just take it a step further. Maybe we should volunteer with agencies like Elizabeth's Hope. Just think for a minute if all of us would just play a role. Rachel's uncle Keith and I were talking a couple weeks ago at home group. And, and, and he had read an article where he said there were true orphans who have no family, zero, nada, no place to go, nobody to take them in. There are 120,000, I think, in the United States, actual legitimate, completely orphaned people, kids, who have no, no place to go except to stay in a system or whatever. You don't know how many churches there are in the United States? 300,000. Now, if we were to play by James 1, or, yeah, James 1, 27, we would wipe out the orphan population in the United States. 
if one church would see to it that one orphan kid gets adopted, the Bible says pure religion is this, to care for orphans and widows in their need. Imagine that for just a second. Now take take that along the abortion issue. Imagine if all of us would just play some part. If all of us would just make a phone call. If all of us, when we find somebody stuck in a predicament, they're having a hard time getting out, would just stand up and say the right thing and speak the truth in love and, 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 and get alongside of a, of a family who's hurting, of a, of a girl who's, we could reverse the trend, man. Couldn't we? Could we? Could we do that? 300,000 churches? Are you kidding me? Wow. What if we not only send our money, which we, that should be part of the procedure too, but we also gave of ourselves to these kind of causes. Imagine. We could take action. Call, email, elected officials. Sign that Freedom of Choice Act petition, that other thing that's in your, that's just real practical. All of us can do that. Most of us have internet, have email. We can go in there and sign out. It would take, take five minutes. To make a difference. Am I right? Wouldn't be, wouldn't be that hard. We can make a difference. We can do something significant. We can reverse the trends. The thing is, it's scary because people who are being put into place, administrations taking shape, there are people who would like to to take back the ground we've already gained where partial birth and different abortion and stuff is concerned, put in judges. And if we don't stand up and make it known what we expect as the constituency, nobody's going to stand. If we don't give a lift up our voice, nobody's going to do it. But we can't make a difference. It's the sanctity of human life Sunday. Your life's important. Your life has value, and every life on this planet is significant in the eyes of God. The Bible says he loved the whole world that he gave his only son. Am I right? And listen, one thing I'm not saying, don't get me wrong here. I don't think anybody ought to go trying to go shoot some, abor- some, some doctor who, who, who performs abortions. All right? There are two wrongs don't make a Right? Are you hearing me? Huh? So we know we've, we've, we've had that to deal with too. Am I right? Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I'm standing up for life. Let me shoot him. Wow. Huh? Makes no sense. Let's stand. We have a testimony here who would like to share her experience. Is that okay? You give, her, give her five minutes to share. Would that be all right? Um, <clears throat> I just like to share. Well, first of all, I'm one of the 45 ladies that um, back in the 70s, Planned Parenthood, they lied to you. Um, I was 18. I was fr- frightened. 
also selfish. I mean, it was a selfish decision. Um, you know, when they talked to you, they told me that your car is like a vehicle, and right now you're not going down that path, and that you're not ready for this. It's not really a baby. And I said, well, what about all these pictures that I see? Oh, no, they just blow those things out of proportion. And I succumbed to the lie. And immediately afterwards, you know, of course, I was out for the procedure, but as soon as I was conscious, I knew I'd committed murder. And, you know, he's ministered so much about God's forgiveness, and that's so true. But for eight years, I knew God forgave me, but I could not forgive myself. And so, you know, I know there may be somebody else in here that needs to hear it, that, you know, God does definitely forgive, but that um, you've got to forgive yourself. And another thing I did a few years ago is that um, I'm not sure what, if I'd had a girl or a boy, but I named my baby. And I also asked my baby to please forgive me, you know, for God to please let that child know that I'm so sorry. But some of the things that develop, and they don't tell you this either. <clears throat> Women that do go through this, they expose, uh, experience post-abortion syndrome. You um, have the inability to really connect with the children you have afterwards. You don't have that intimacy like you should or with your spouse. And that's why you get into the drugs or the alcohol. I didn't get too heavily into those things. But regardless, I, I see that there's like a piece of me is missing. And um, I, I had to write some of these things down because I didn't want to forget. Um, you have nightmares. Um, you know, it's, it's just um, but basically you need to forgive yourself. Now, God does forgive you. Um, you know, if anybody here needs to talk to me sometime, you're free. You know, feel free to call me. But I have experienced God's forgiveness, and I've experienced his grace. And I know he loves me, but I miss that child. I won't see until I'm there with him. mean to cry it's okay but he's so right it's just it is murder and it's such a lie and I think that if the women that have experienced abortion would be um, honest they know you know in your heart that it is wrong and um, I think that's about all I wanted to say but let's pray Laura stands here as a representative of people who've been, been there. I'm going to pray. And if you are packing any of that with you, as we pray, I want you to let go of that. I want you to give it to Jesus. I want you to forgive yourself. I want you to forgive whatever circumstance created that. And I want let's get on. Let's allow God to help us move on. Is that all right? Jesus, God, we stand here today, none of us perfect, none of us having made every right decision, none of us, God, having done everything according to your plans and your purposes. God, we all have sinned and fallen short. God, it seems like there are certain things, God, that just hound and will not uh, let us rest or sleep, God, or be at peace. God, I pray, Jesus, for God women, men, families who have been involved, God, in this sort of thing. God, where guilt has made them stricken. Their grief is overbearing, God, overwhelming. I pray your forgiveness would rule and reign. And that, Lord Jesus, you'd be able to release them and let them go. God, I pray, God, your grace is vast. It's rich, the Apostle Paul wrote. And, God, I pray, Jesus, we would experience it to its fullest, and that, Lord Jesus, you would bring healing to the brokenness of the hearts 
of women, of families, God, who live with that hole in them. God, fill them completely with your presence. Fill them completely with your life. Fill them completely with your hope. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that, God, you do a great work. God, do a great work. God, where any of us, Lord, it doesn't have to be about abortion. Sometimes guilt just bears down on top of us. Wherever that's happening, Jesus, I pray, God, the freedom of your Holy Spirit, the freedom that you give would be given right now, Jesus, to many people, Lord. God, show yourself strong. Do a great work, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you're hurting like that, God's heart is for you. He is not against you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Embrace his grace today. Embrace his love today. We thank you for that. We bless you, Father. Show yourself strong, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father.